0: misty mountains cold.
1: is this that hobbit shit
0: welcome to that hobbit shit i'm mike and i'm Corey. hey long shanks <laughs> what are we talking about today <laughs> well that won't be the last time we say long shanks today
1: uh mike we're on uh, chapter 11 already and this is i'll cut you <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right <laughs> Yes, uh, pretty
1: straightforward. Uh, so, to jump into the summary, um, an alternate alternate title for this chapter would be "Fatty Bulger's Finest Moment" of his entire life. Uh, yes, yes, of his. He entire life. shows his quality. He sure does. Because meanwhile, Mike fucking meanwhile, I bet every single one of you listening out there forgot all about poor old freddy Fatigar. Fatigar, <laughs> fuck, Fredigar fatty bulger didn't you um he,
0: he was definitely overshadowed by um bombadil's pony
1: <laughs> yeah it, it <laughs> i was actually gonna make that uh, a last note a few minutes ago i was thinking about it. why are there two characters this early in the book named fatty
0: <laughs> i don't know well because tolkien has proven that he is a waitist <laughs> yes <laughs> once again proof in the
1: text <laughs> Just calling everyone fat. And Frodo was like heavily implied that he was a fatty. Um, yeah,
0: the whole bomber thing.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Fat bomber. Holy shit. I'm having flashbacks. I think I just got fatty triggered. Uh, sorry. Uh, very. Out, very out of here. So now that we had a moment to reflect upon the fact that we've forgotten about Fatty Bulger, um, the chapter opens with our hero fatty opening the door of Crick Hollow in the middle of the night. He thought he saw something moving in the shadows, and then he really did see the gate of Crick Hollow open all by itself. And so for a second, just a split second, he hesitated. Then he shut the door, and he locked it. And then quietly, three figures leading horses come quietly to the house. One stands on each side of the house, and then the third one stands in front of the front door. These dark figures stand perfectly still all the way through the night until just before dawn. The one by the door suddenly moves as a rooster crows in the distance. He drew a thin glowing blade, Mike, and he knocked upon the door once. He said, open in the name of Mordor. And at a second knock, the door was defeated. And so these three monsters or ghosts or whatever went inside the house. Uh, But just then, just as they were going in the house, a horn like a sudden fire alarm or the doorbell, just as you're falling asleep, broke out from far away. Mike, it was the alarm call of Buckland. Two more. Awake, fear, fire, foes. Uh, All four, perhaps, or (laughs) just one, maybe? (laughs) Uh, You see, Mike, as soon as old Fredegar realized that he was getting haunted or whatever, he ran out the back door of the house, and he ran a whole mile or more to the nearest house. He was more or less senseless for quite a while, but the other hobbits gathered that something or other was attacking Buckland. Most likely what was happening was the trees were at the hedge again, they thought. Uh, so they sounded the horn. The horn had not rung out in Buckland since there were wolves that one time. And the alarm was being raised further and further throughout Buckland. The stout hearts of these superstitious hobbits were being awoken. Uh, and so the riders mounted their horses and they got the frick out of there. They didn't give a fuck, Mike. They found out Mr. Baggins was not at home. And they knew that they'd have a chance to give those fools of tooks or brandy bucks or whoever they were what for when Sauron hears about this. Some real my father will hear about this energy. So then the text says, quote, they rode down the guards at the gate, which I wonder if that means they trampled some hobbits on their way out of Buckland. Because um, if they did, we could have another hobbit death or two at this point in the book.
0: I have to assume they either tra- like killed them or maimed them. <laughs>
1: Certainly injured them,
0: yes. <laughs>
1: uh, I shouldn't laugh at that. That's pretty grim. Um <laughs> uh so yes, yeah, so they rode off uh, and so the tale of fredegar must be paused once again as we return to the prancing pony where we left uh our real heroes um and frodo had another of what seems to be increasingly frequent prophetic dreams he's just waking up from a dream which was basically exactly what happened to crick hollow uh as it was dawn and strider was waking them up likely with kicks from his long shanks <laughs> See, I knew we'd get back to that. Uh, It turns out it was a very good idea to sleep in that parlor and not go to their room because the windows of their room had been forced open and the beds had been slashed and the Frodo dummy that Nob made had been stabbed 100 times. And Butterbur was all bleary-eyed and upset when he found out what happened in the night. Strider, once again, though, is just real as hell and tells Butterbur that this is real life. Uh, So Strider threatens the hobbits with leaving without breakfast as Butterbur goes to get their ponies ready. And so we have some horrible... Horrible news at this point in the chapter. Our pony count goes from five to zero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put you on the spot, Mike, but do you remember their names? <laughs> because I, I really should have written it down, but I don't think I did. Um,
0: I can pull it up if you give me one second.
1: I, I'd be glad to.
0: <laughs> you want to ask me? Mike, what were the ponies' names again? Okay. <laughs> We've got Sharp ears. We've got bumpkin, wise nose, swish tail, white socks, and fatty lumpkin. <laughs>
1: fatty dead. lumpkin, what?
0: All dead. No, no,
1: no, no, not all dead. Fatty lumpkin was not in Bree. He was not there for the uh, the pony massacre of uh, three thousand seventeen.
0: Do... You're right. So the <laughs> the pony count was at five. Yes, briefly.
1: Yes, briefly. But now it's zero. Wow. Um, Unfortunately. Um, So that's the second blow. We forgot about a fatty vulture and we have no ponies. Um, Where was I here? Uh, So, yes, of course, the party despairs as Strider decides that they don't need ponies anyway. The real problem is how they'll carry two to three to five weeks of supplies uh, for five people. Uh, Sam immediately squares up to Strider and says he could carry two men's baggage plus a damn pony if it came down to it. Do you think um, he winked
0: when he said it to Strider?
1: No, I think I think he wanted to fight him. <laughs> 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 I got some serious uh, Sam and Strider butting heads energy in this chapter. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sam goes for fighting. Frodo, though, goes for bargaining, uh, and he asks Butterbur if there are any ponies in the town that they could buy or rent. Uh, and so Bob is sent out to check. Uh, Mary, however, turns their attention from this crisis to breakfast. Three hours later... Local game master. Bob. <laughs> yes, actually. Should we ask where Bob was during the uh, the pony theft in the night? Oh I don't know. I'd rather not. Yeah, wait. That's his one job, isn't it? I think it kind of is, yeah. To mind the ponies. Huh? <laughs> Every time we think we've discovered something about a hobbit, Tolkien throws it back at our faces the next chapter. Bob was the yeah. smart one, we said. We thought so. <laughs> uh so three hours pass it turns out that there's only one damn pony that was for sale in all of brie proper and it belonged to that dick Bill Fernie. they didn't have much choice and bf was charging a lot for this sick old pony it was 12 silver pennies and that was expensive as fuck but butterbur stepped forward and paid for it himself because they lost their ponies on his watch um, and there is a small asterisk here. Um, it turned out that in the night the ponies had simply been scared off and not stolen, uh, all except for one that was taken by Bill Fernie's buddy from the south. Uh, and so in the end, all the ponies were found and accounted for, and our original five decided uh, that since they weren't locked in a stable, they'd go party with their boy, Fatty Lumpkin, and so they wandered back to Bombadil's place where they stayed in utter luxury that is until tom heard what happened in Bree and he brought the ponies back and sold them to butterbur likely for a hefty price or perhaps a keg or two so the silver pennies didn't matter much after long uh oh sorry uh not i not quite done with that point um <laughs> the upside is that bob took care of them after that which is great the downside is that they never saw elves mr frodo
0: oh yeah
1: they never made his to no. Rivendell. By the time the party was ready to leave, uh, all of Bree was up and about and hanging around to see them leave. I think we can assume that uh, not much happens in Bree, and so this was monumental even to traveling dwarves from somewhere as cool as a lonely mountain. Um, Strider decided to go for a double double cross kind of plan and led the party out of Bree by the main road rather than sneaking through wild country. Uh, And most people from Bree were comfortably afraid enough of Strider to not yell anything particularly offensive at him. However, racism continued to follow them just a touch further in this chapter as Frodo sees Bill Fernie's buddy uh, and he thought some pretty uncool things about his looks. Um, They were passing a dank old shack on the outskirts that was Bill Fernie's place uh, and his pal, the horse thief was watching from a window. But Bill Fernie was in the lane to hurl a couple insults at our boys. But Mike, the worst thing being hurled was Sam whipping around and hitting Bill in the face with a half eaten apple. Um, And you know, Mike, (laughs) birds rabbits and squirrels all scatter when a hobbit stoops for a stone
0: i forgot that they were master throwers
1: <laughs> uh, it comes up when it comes up and when it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> that's a pretty sweet throw from sam a half-eaten apple
0: too it wasn't
1: round oh yeah yeah you would have had to compensate a <laughs> uh, future hobbit concern do hobbits play baseball um <laughs> We'll come back to that. Uh, so they exited Brie and they headed into the wooded country. They passed near Staddle and Coombe and even Archit, Mike. They passed Archit. Um, but just then they left the road and they aimed to get to Weathertop, passing through the Midgewater marshes and avoiding the open country of the winding main road. Overall, it was pretty. It was autumn, you know, beginning of October. It was the third day of traveling, and they left the Chetwood. And by the time they left the Chetwood, it was flat country as they approached as they approached Midgewater. And it started to get boggy, and it got real buggy, and the going was pretty shitty. Pippin and Sam were particularly vocal about the bugs. Uh, They could barely sleep for all the biting and shrieking bugs. Sam named the crickets, which were no doubt bred in Mordor to torment decent folk, nickerbreakers. On the fourth night, Frodo noticed a strange light off in the distance they were headed in. Uh, Strider was also awake and watching it. It was like lightning on a hilltop very strange. On the fifth day, uh, the land began to climb and they left the marshes. They were approaching Weathertop. Strider, though he planned this path, uh, lets the hobbits know that even though he decided to head for Weathertop, it's probably going to go really shitty for them uh, because he's real like that. Um, So Frodo still had his fingers crossed that Gandalf will be casually waiting for them, smoking the pipe on a hill. Um, Strider also scares them with a tale of evil birds, uh, they approach Weathertop from the north where they might climb it from a more hidden vantage point. Uh, this is making sense. I feel like I've lost my own thread here. Um,
0: I think it's making sense.
1: Okay, cool. Uh, they're headed for a hill. Um, <laughs>
0: like, the wrong, the long way around the hill. Yes.
1: <laughs> I like that actually. Um, but like Bilbo before them, the hobbits thought of their hobbit holes and firesides as they camped out for the night. Um, it was now October fifth, and the sixth night out from Bree, or so the text says, and we will trust it. They climbed the back of Weathertop, uh, and Merry, uh, unusual hobbit that he was, asked about the history of the land and who built the paths and placed the stones on the hill. Strider explains the grimass history to him that it was a watchtower, a tower called Amon Sul. He said Isildur stood there and waited for the coming of Gilgalad, the last alliance of elves and men. Mary asks him to tell more of Gilgalad, But as Strider is lost in thought, old Samwise takes up the tale and sings a little song that Bilbo taught him. Bilbo told Sam many tales of elves and even taught him to read, it seems, a point we are certainly going to come back to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Anyhow, uh, Bilbo apparently took credit for this particular song, but Strider explains that Bilbo actually translated it from an ancient elven tongue. Uh, As they climbed Weathertop, it became apparent that they were the only ones there, a.k.a. no Gandalf. Uh, On the west side of the hill, they found a little hollow where they could hang out for a bit. Pippin, Sam, and the pony stayed there as Merry, Frodo, and Strider kept climbing all the way up to the top. There was an ancient stone circle that was once the base of Amun-Sul. In the center of the circle were some rocks uh, that were piled up and blackened and charred as if from fire or perhaps lightning. Um, The view from the hill was pretty tight. They could see the road for miles and generally saw nothing. Nothing moving. No Gandalfs, no nothing. Uh, Just the misty mountains looking misty in the distance. Uh, And they were discussing the lack of Gandalf when Strider picked up a rock that looked like it had a G written on it and a three. Gandalf, October the 3rd, he thought it said. But Strider, pragmatic as always, said it was either made by Gandalf or it wasn't. And either way, if he was there, he was no longer there. So remember those flashing lights a couple nights back? Maybe that was Gandalf, and maybe he was in trouble. Who knows, he says. Um, It'll still be two weeks till they reach Rivendell either way. Uh, And not for the last time, Frodo thought fondly of Bag End and those dirty Sackville bagginses soiling it. But just then, um, Frodo's attention as he was daydreaming was caught by several dark figures moving down on the road many miles off or perhaps just a few miles off, either way. Um, They all dropped to the ground to look. They had a sneaking feeling it was the Black Riders having a Black Riders meetup, which cheerful Strider confirmed for them. Uh, Meanwhile, Sam and Pippin were enjoying their rest. They found firewood, remnants of a camp, and a clean running spring nearby. Uh, Strider, who was apparently quite distracted today, wished he had looked around uh, before big old hobbit feet destroyed all the footprints and evidence useful to rangers. He once again becomes lost in thought. Uh, After they all stand in silence for an unreasonable amount of time, Sam pressed Strider to actually do something, like leave (laughs) the dell, for example. (laughs) Um, And so Strider decides the best thing to do is hold up where they are, rather than wander off. Mary asks a pretty helpful question. Can the riders see, he says. It turns out um, they only kind of can, in a sort of ghosty way. Um, And particularly in the dark, they can see and they smell the blood of the living. And as an afterthought, Strider mentions that the ring also constantly draws them to the company. Frodo is, of course, scared shitless by this. <laughs> <laughs> but they decide that they will stay, and they will build a campfire, uh, and that will keep them safe. Sam is doubtful. <laughs> um, they set up camp for the night. Speaking of doubts, Frodo points out they hardly have food for another two weeks. And Strider says, can you guess? That's real life, he says. Uh, and so everyone tightens their belt a notch. <laughs> So as they sat nervously by the campfire, Strider started telling them cool stories. Hopefully not scary ones, because real life had enough of that for the moment. Uh, and the hobbits were impressed and wondered how old he was. Uh, evidently, they did not listen to season two, episode 10 of that hobbit shit, because they would have known that Strider is 87.
0: Oldest person <laughs> in the party. That's true,
1: by a pretty good margin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're just about to go back to the story of Gilgalad, uh, but Strider says no, because because it has too much to do with Mordor. Sam pushes for some story, anything about elves, Mr. Frodo. And so Strider embarks on the story of Tinuviel, or Baron and Luthien, but we'll skip that for now with a wink. The important part is that Strider could weave a pretty sweet tale when he had the mine and the moon began to rise as he finished. And it seemed that shadows were gathering about them. Sam and Merry went to the edge of the dell as Frodo felt some real life dread Uh, Sam and Mary came running back. Sam saw nothing except for a creeping fear, and Mary thought he saw three black shapes moving him toward them on the hillside. So Strider commands them to put their backs to the fire and face outward with sticks in their hands that they can set on fire, um, because fire's on their side. I forgot that part. Uh, There is a tense silence. Suddenly, a shadow appears at the edge of the dell, then two, then three. Uh, They are barely visible in the darkness. Mary and Pippin turtle up instantly and fall to the ground sam cowers at frodo's side no doubt hoping to die with his master um frodo just shook as the shadows approached them but above everything frodo felt a need to put the ring on he couldn't help it he did it he put the damn ring on mike suddenly though with the ring on the dim shadows that were approaching became vividly clear there were five of them altogether. frodo could see cold dead eyes Long gray robes, long gray hair, silver helms, ghost hands, and probably real-life swords. They ran to Frodo as Frodo drew his own sword, which seemed to flicker red. Only one of the figures continued to advance. He was the scariest of them all. He had a crown on his helm, a sword in one hand and a knife in the other. Sound familiar? Uh, He came forward as Frodo screamed some elven shit and swung his sword around wildly. The monster thing shrieked a horrible cry, but Frodo felt a stabbing pain in his shoulder and... As he fainted, Frodo saw saw Strider leap forward with flaming branches in his hands, and he took off the ring and collapsed. And that was it. End of chapter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Scene. That was a long chapter.
1: It was a pretty long chapter,
0: yeah. A long, meaty chapter. (laughs) Pretty meaty, and yet
1: they didn't have much to eat.
0: No. No, they don't have much to eat, and Strider isn't worried even though he said that we no time to stop for food <laughs> Str-
1: strider is a an interesting uh mix of contrasts he's a bit grim wouldn't you say <laughs> he could say that certainly grim
0: might describe him perfectly <laughs> okay my first note Corey. okay bucklanders are awesome <laughs> <laughs> is, is there more to your note um I wish there were. (laughs) Is this because of the alarm call of Buckland? The alarm call and how like Fatty being attacked at night woke up the entire, all of Buckland. It's it's, like, yeah, they were armed and ready to go. (laughs) It could have been fear. It could have been fire. Could
1: have been foes. Fuck it. Wake up.
0: Yeah. It's something. (laughs) They're like spiders. They're just always at the ready.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well spiders are always jacked and ready to go i i don't know if i would have described a bucklander like that um, <laughs> it's pretty good though um their, their their stout hearts were awakened the hidden strength and bravery of hobbits never sleeps
0: yeah except for maybe later but we'll get to that <laughs> later
1: oh yeah i think i know what you're blind uh yeah well like a good a good sharp like this is a problem ring the alarm is good they can handle that <laughs> Oh, this can handle good plane danger.
0: Yeah, an interloper might cause some problems.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of one of my points too. I just wanted to talk more about the alarm call. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're since we're talking about that little interlude part at the beginning, um, I have another note that brings us back to our boy, Fatty Bulger. Um, Mike, I think that fucking Black Rider cast a spell on the door at Crick Hollow
0: oh to burst it asunder
1: yeah because i think he like he knocked once cast the spell like to say open on the name of mortar and like the second knock like he didn't even have to use force i think magic fucking shattered the lock and split the timbers
0: they once they entered they steal one of frodo's cloaks?
1: i think so yeah i think they very quickly rifle through his drawers it's
0: like fuck this i'll take that <laughs> Is there a deed to bag on here? No? Okay, we're gone. <laughs> so, were they more
1: or less thorough than Gandalf? <laughs> they certainly had less time.
0: Yeah, good point. Less thorough than Gandalf, of course.
1: <laughs> yes, my point was coming around to uh, underwear thievery, <laughs> well, Was No, actually. actually- no, no, it was about magic. They're scary, man. They they don't even need brute force because they're like horrible magic monsters.
0: Yeah, they're at this point, they're pretty scary characters. Like, are they ghosts? We don't know. Yep. We don't know what they are. They can't see, but they can smell.
1: Yeah, which is pretty gross. And they can see at night, which is also kind of gross.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how strange is it that not sam but strider suggests their breakfast is a drink
1: <laughs> has strider just seen too much
0: and he's uh he's even more grizzled than sam was yeah well we'll just have it he says a drink and a bite standing i mean he could have met coffee he might have but he said a drink
1: yeah that's true and they were at an uh, a bar more or less yeah
0: okay. <laughs> Sleeping in the parlor of a bar.
1: So Sam was the only one that was excited by the prospect of not having a proper breakfast.
0: <laughs> Do you think he's just amped to, to head out on the adventure? Maybe,
1: maybe I took his like aggression towards Strider as like fierce brotherhood. <laughs> like he just he, loves this guy.
0: <laughs> he's had the measure of him and he's just all, all in now.
1: <laughs> I've had the measure of
0: Mr. Frodo and it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so our pony count is down to one Do, did we get that pony's name uh no actually you know what i skipped ahead i don't think this pony gets a name for quite a while <laughs> okay um
1: so yes we have one nameless pony which is a pretty measly pony count
0: yeah and it's also a measly pony <laughs> yes uh
1: yeah uh, theoretically abused by bill ferney pony
0: <laughs> yeah what did he need a
1: pony for anyway? Like, why did he have this thing?
0: To verbally abuse.
1: <laughs> Just when no one else is around. Oh, they closed the bar early tonight, you stupid pony. <laughs> uh, one of my notes is uh, I like to periodically point out um, an interesting uh, aspect of the audiobook read by Robert Inglis, um, which is excellent, as I mentioned periodically. Um, what i thought was really funny is the difference uh in the voice he puts on for butterbur as opposed to strider's voice <laughs> oh it's it's it, they could not be more different characters like butterbur is like uh he's like oh no your ponies got stolen and strider's like butterbur <laughs> he's like a he's like a batman voice he's like a fucking christian bale's batman voice <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a great contrast this country bum kid and this real life motherfucker <laughs>
0: Who would have a pretty a pretty like aged voice at that point
1: i would think so yeah distinguished um humorless <laughs> do you think Butterbur has any idea that strider is older than him
0: um no i don't think so i don't think he has much of an idea of anything
1: <laughs> uh yeah he's a he's defended occasionally but at other times he's a he he gets quite a bit of abuse from other characters um <laughs> another mystery uh in lord of the rings um uh, your, your next note mike <laughs>
0: um we kind of already talked about this one sam carrying enough for two <laughs> <laughs> um so i'll skip that is that the, foreshadowing uh oh i don't know <laughs> no spoilers no spoilers um the portrayal of animals in this book is so much cooler than in the movie
1: oh that's a very good point
0: they they almost they almost have like a identity like they think kind of they they're characters and you know what am i trying to say here Corey?
1: yeah well i I think you said it they're characters yeah like they have they have (laughs) character uh (laughs) that's 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 a very good point actually because i guess this is a very uh i don't know that sounds kind of cliche but like this is a very low-tech world compared to where we live in and like the connection that you would have with a pony um as opposed to i don't know your phone <laughs> like <laughs> uh yeah um yeah and animals are quite important uh in this story like fatty think, lumpkin
0: yeah fatty lumpkin oh, or like you know the the lord of horses we'll meet later um it's yes. <laughs> a good example <laughs> And how birds can be evil,
1: yes. Oh, yeah. When Strider said birds could spy on you, yeah,
0: just kind of cool. It's like this The Hobbit is more fantastical than Lord of the Rings or story, storybookish, I guess. But I think the portrayal of animals is kind of a carryover from The Hobbit,
1: yeah. Th- it's kind of like now that I'm thinking about it, it's sort of like yeah, they're each sort of distinguished as their own like uh, I don't know sovereign peoples, if you will. Like, um, yeah, because there's like there's the big ones. There's like you know the eagles, men, elves, dwarves. Um, but like, but yeah, there's other birds, and they're like uh, there's roach and like yeah, ponies are a thing. There's a lord of horses. Yeah. Oh man, dang, they've
0: all got their own rich, beautiful history. <laughs> I think there was something about um, squirrels and foxes too, but they had they seem to have like like they, they're they're more than just animals looking to eat and fuck <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm not cutting that out uh <laughs> there's
0: there's more than their lives they like they have goals and you know personalities and families and stuff
1: yes definitely like that fox um in one of the earlier chapters that is like whoa weird three hobbits sleeping under yeah. a tree
0: yeah he has you know his own thoughts yeah
1: oh yeah that's very that's cool that's very interesting that is something i'm gonna keep an eye out for now more than i was before oh yeah
0: agency is the word i was looking for they seem to have their own agency
1: oh yes definitely well yeah they could they can side with uh the dark lord of mordor or uh or not that's that's pretty cool
0: yeah yeah it just kind of it's kind of neat and it um definitely wasn't touched on in the movies no no definitely not aside from they kept shadow facts the lord of horses but all they did was say he's the lord of horses
1: yeah i was gonna say like a little bit because they kind of had to because gandalf needs him at points but yeah like he, there isn't really any yeah shadow facts is not given a personality in the movie no
0: he's just strong
1: yeah <laughs> um Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. You know, a slight side note is I keep thinking about things in the movie. Um, but I always say to myself, Oh, I'll just save this for when we actually watch the movie. Um, and, and do our, uh, do our movie review. Um, maybe I shouldn't, (laughs) I am realizing now that I've probably forgotten all the insights that
0: I've had (laughs) just
1: assuming I will think of them when we watch the movie.
0: I think we should do like, uh, we probably should watch the first movie we pro- probably should split the movies in half, I think. That's like not a bad f- idea. First disc. You know, <laughs> go, go to the Council of Alrond and, then... and
1: then yeah, have a nap.
0: Yeah, just it's, it's a long movie to discuss.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we want to do it justice, and I'm sure we'll have a shitload of things to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, and our uh, our review is just gonna be like, yep, yeah, it's uh five stars.
1: <laughs> I was going to say we'll be shitting and praising all
0: at the same time. I don't
1: know. Uh cuz I don't want to anticipate negativity but <laughs> um comparing it so closely to the book will make the differences like very very stark.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think our thoughts on the the second two movies are going to be much different than the first. That's my my guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a pr- pretty fair guess. <laughs> Look forward to that, folks.
0: Corey, I have two more notes, three actually. Oh, excellent. What do you got?
1: Uh, one and a half.
0: Okay, I'll start just to be even. Cool. Um, the the half goblin southerner. What was up with him?
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. That, yeah, that's a good question. Um, c- comparing him to half goblin, uh, are we to think that he is actually a goblin? That's like that maybe looked the most like a human out of all the goblins, and so they sent him on a special errand. I don't know.
0: That's one of the theories. There is another theory that um, he's one of the Urakai, which appear later.
1: Oh. huh, huh. Were you looking this up? Like, were you looking into theories? Yeah,
0: I looked it up earlier.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: When I was, what was my last madam? It was the history of Brie or something like that. Yes. It like, yeah, somehow it fell into the history of Brie.
1: Oh, okay. Interesting yeah i was sort of thinking you don't really get much of a satisfactory uh answer about him at this point i thought maybe when they get more into the southern the Southrons, i think they call them um eventually but i don't think that's still the fucking return of the king (laughs) um i thought maybe it would fall into place at that point i don't know oh but like yeah that's a long ass time from now
0: i think there's later there's a description of how i think they might touch on some of the goblins or something looking like that friend of bill fernies but maybe i'm imagining oh interesting <laughs> let's keep our ear to the ground
1: yes yeah we'll look for uh we'll look for clues about this guy
0: well yeah uh what do you think mike man or goblin i think he is i think somebody's got some sort of a, a goblin fuck factory going on <laughs> <laughs> and they're dragging humans in there that's what i think or maybe oh, Jesus, <laughs> maybe someone is mating with goblins, some <laughs> evil wizard type.
1: <laughs> I, I can't imagine who you mean. Uh, oh, and actually, if you don't know who we mean, we are actually for once not making fun of Gandalf. Uh, no. Just f- f- <laughs> FYI. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that's that's one that we'll uh, we'll leave the book open on. Sebastian's very interrupty today. Um, Jesus. Uh, Okay, okay. Um, So, Mike, speaking of ongoing discussions, uh, it seems that we can't get a very straight answer on hobbit education here. Um, So, Bilbo, cool rich guy, taught Sam, the gardener's son, how to read. Sam did not learn to read in school.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Was Sam just not afforded the opportunity to go to school, or is there just not hobbit school? Uh, that, I mean, that's a good
1: question. Cause like, cause yeah, Sam clearly didn't come from, uh, the affluent families such as the Bagginses, Brandy Bucks and Tucks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not even a hard fellow. <laughs> or
1: brace, Colonel. <Curdle. laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the gaffer just couldn't afford it. Or maybe he didn't believe in school, uh, which is also possible.
0: <laughs> that seems more gaffer like, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> gaffer, your son's getting kind of old. Are you going to send him to school? No. <laughs> You can grow a potato and that's all he needs. <laughs> um, yeah, just uh, just more information on that
0: subject, I guess. Part of one of my notes is Bilbo teaching Sam to read and then telling him that he, he wrote these songs.
1: <laughs> just explaining to Sam that he's written all histories of elves that lived thousands of years ago. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's just a song I wrote about this 6,000-year-old elf. (laughs) Where did did Bilbo get this penchant for exaggerating the truth? His Uh, tall tales.
1: Maybe this is a good time for us to make fun of Gandalf.
0: (laughs) Oh, I was going to blame Bungo, but probably both of them.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, probably both of them. Bilbo, uh, all in all, had a pretty rough uh, set of influences.
0: Not really Bilbo's fault.
1: No, no. Yeah. Poor guy. I was just trying to make it in the world. <laughs> uh,
0: my last note, Corey. Yes. In, in the chapter, Strider mentions the Forsaken Inn. Oh, yeah. And how, we, um, sorry, not Weathertop. Yeah. Uh, Rev- Rivendell was one day's ride from the Forsaken Inn. Yes. The Forsaken Inn was the last inn that Thorin and company stayed on really but it was it was deserted
1: <laughs> it was, so it was deserted at the time of the hobbit
0: yeah and i guess someone took it over and it's the forsaken inn
1: oh and called it the forsaken inn wait what i'm confused
0: yeah i don't know <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that that kind of yeah that definitely does stick out because um they just came from the inn of the prancing pony and then he's like oh yeah. it's after the forsaken Inn," which
0: yeah, when about. I read it, I thought Strider was taking a shot at old um, Barlim and Butterbur.
1: <laughs> Did you hear about this inn in Bree, where people break in in the night and stab pillowcases? <laughs> I call it the Forsaken Inn. Um,
0: should we, uh, whew, um, do we need to delve into this quickly? Uh, it, will, it would have made a good mathem, I'll tell you that much. All
1: right, look. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just, I looked it up quickly and it, it's a renaming of the last in which Thorin and company try to stay at. I, I, like at, at
1: what point though? Do, do, does it tell you any more about that? Like what? Uh...
0: Uh, sometime between uh, Rivendell, they stay at Rivendell, don't they? Yeah. No, sorry, they, do they stay in Bree? No, they but... don't stay in Bree. No. Yeah, I don't think book. it mentions Bree. They try to stop, stop somewhere on the way to uh, Rivendell, but I can't remember where. Huh. They have a pretty pretty rough go of things. Remember, they run into the. <laughs> the trolls yes and it, it could be reigns. after the trolls it could be before the trolls
1: oh, okay okay so it's just supposed to be on the way to Rivendell.
0: yeah on the it? way huh a I'm day's good. ride for a, a stout human <laughs>
1: <laughs> a competent human um yeah. i wonder if that was a um oh what the hell is the word i'm looking for uh like a cut chapter from or a cut scene from the Hobbit, maybe
0: Oh, it could be, yeah, because Tolkien had all these extra notes, right?
1: Yeah, because, yeah, I, I really don't remember that being mentioned, but, or maybe it does mention that they stay at Inns, but it just doesn't name them, and so, huh, interesting, I'm a little stumped by that
0: one. That's kind of cool, though, Um, it, it's one of the things that really fleshes out the book, how they'll mention... These past wars or just like you know, places on the map that we never ever see or hear anymore about
1: yes definitely yeah i think that is cool it's, it's kind of fun that they're like when they mention things like uh staddle and coom and you're like i don't know really <laughs> we're gonna know anything about them um, yeah
0: unless you look it up on tolkien gateway
1: <laughs> by the way don't go to lord of the rings dot fandom or whatever it was it's a barrage of uh pop-ups but anyway oh, okay. um, <laughs> When you're doing your research. Uh,
0: (laughs) I try to stick to the Tolkien Society because I like to have my research vetted.
1: (laughs) You're just driving a
0: rift between us, Mike.
1: (laughs) Okay. uh, My last half note um, is uh, Aragorn, another thing that he sort of casually mentions in passing uh, is he says that all the tales of Middle Earth are sad.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think he's just a grim man.
1: Okay. I can live with that as the, uh, as the explanation.
0: Yeah. He's grim. And as we know, grim men like to be a bit of a stick in the mud, Stick in the mud. A yeah. downer. Yeah. <laughs> the fish are poisoned.
1: <laughs> the dragon's still in the mountain. <laughs> Shut up. Uh... All the
0: stories are sad. <laughs> uh...
1: Uh it's kinda like just meeting someone and then being like, Hey, you wanna listen to some of my favorite music? And they just play the Smiths. You know, can... <laughs> what happened to you? <laughs> uh yeah, okay, cool. Uh is that our notes, Mike?
0: I think so, yeah. Let's uh wait, are we what's <laughs> let's stop off of the, <laughs> the Forsaken Inn, shall we? Uh yes, we should.
1: But the only for the Draven The Forsaken Inn, a day's journey east of Rhee.
0: Welcome to the Forsaken Inn, where we discuss the beers we're having on today's episode. Sorry, right, what are you? Oh, sorry, Longshanks, what are you sipping on?
1: <laughs> uh, I'd like to point out uh, for anyone that doesn't know us, I'm quite a bit shorter than you are. Mike. <laughs> um, but anyhow, uh, I've got what is apparently a very thick, sticky beer. I got a bit on my finger a minute ago. Um, oh my gosh. Gross. It's 10% alcohol. I did not realize that when I purchased it.
0: No That's wonder it's hot. thick and sticky.
1: <laughs> okay. So, uh, Mike, I'm drinking for, in honor of Frodo's shanking, uh, dark night of the soul, Imperial stout. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Uh, I'm super pumped. Cause, uh, cause stouts are not my, uh, not, not what I generally reach for. Not my favorite kind of beer. And I really want to get into them. um, so yeah, this is from Dominion City Brewing, which is in Ottawa. Uh, yeah, 10% alcohol. Um, it's very interesting. It's very like getting a lot of molasses here, which may also explain the stickiness. That is a, a thick beer. <laughs> Woo! Um, yeah, it's very like molasses y, licorice y. Um, it's a brown beer. Uh, it's great. It's, it's actually very good. Um, I'm very intrigued by it. Um, what does it say? This beer is thick, <laughs> thick and luscious. Okay, <laughs> you, your turn, Mike. <laughs> I've said far too
0: much. <laughs> your description of that beer is disgusting. Um, well, Corey, in honor of all of this sleeping under the stars the boys are doing, I'm drinking Stargazer, a dark wheat ale from off-the-rail brewing. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. This is one I've been hanging on to for a while, not with a specific chapter in mind. I was waiting for a stargazing chapter. Chapter. Oh, okay, cool. It's a smooth and full flavored, distinguished, sorry, smooth and full flavored with a rich maltiness and mild chocolate tone.
1: Oh, you know what? Maltiness and wild chocolate tone. I think mine might have that too.
0: <laughs> it's a, a malt user maybe.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: I don't get the chocolate tones I definitely get the malt though it's pretty good it's a heavy beer <laughs> it's,
1: it's a good beer heavy um <laughs>
0: 20 IBUs Corey
1: Mine's that's low mm-hmm. that's that's for uh, a stargazing night I tell you what you don't want to be dark we
0: yeah you yeah <laughs> um
1: excellent uh yeah you you you, this is your area mike you you like um darker beers and stouts and whatnot
0: yeah i do (laughs) i'm uh I, i find you get much more variety and flavor once you start dipping your toes into the darker beer
1: yeah this is uh mine is quite complex um compared to what i would typically reach for how exciting just as frodo entered the wraith world here i am stepping into the dark world of stouts
0: i have um i have an idea for next next chapter's beer and i I have to hunt it down oh yeah yep okay my my hint to you will be there's a chance that both of us have the same beer next chapter
1: you know that's that's actually funny i was saying to tiff uh earlier this evening um or maybe it was yesterday whatever doesn't matter um <clears throat> imagine we had the same beer and then i thought i wonder what the actual chances of that are um, uh, well there are a lot of
0: chapters. Uh, next chapter it's possible
1: huh flight to the uh, okay well actually i i already have my beer for next chapter and i okay, seriously doubt this is the one you're thinking of
0: okay never mind never mind <laughs> Good, good trip to the forsaken inn um i can't wait to get back to the green dragon
1: yes uh once we get out of these uh these uncouth realms and get back to our favorite inn <laughs> i had to pour my own beer at the forsaken inn that's bullshit
0: nobody here where's the crowd it's it's friday night um bet old man baggins scared them off with one of his parlor tricks
1: <laughs> he's he sang a song that weren't worth nothing <laughs> The Matham House, it was called. Okay, we might be in the far off reaches, but here we are again at the Matham House. Mike, uh, what are you dusting off this week?
0: Well, Corey, um, <laughs> you've shackled me with a Matham that is probably not worth the Matham House. It? <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, you asked me to research Baron and Luthien one of the pivotal stories of middle earth and on which everything hangs more or less in some degree
1: uh is this kind of like when um like a a really small town museum for some reason has an exhibition of like just something absolutely bonkers
0: but they yeah like they've got a van Gogh on sale or not on sale on display on sale might actually be a good good metaphor here so um (laughs) <laughs> How to start this. Corey, have you ever been in love? <laughs> At what point should I apologize to you for giving you this <laughs> math? <laughs> Just fishing for it. Have you ever been so in love that you write a poem for your? No, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a really cheesy name right? without being too offensive here. For your lady, your lady friend? <laughs> you write a poem for her, and on that poem you stack your entire world mythology.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I could say I can I have my
0: Well, that's that's what old J.R.R. Tolkien did. He saw his dear Edith dancing in a hemlock grove and wrote a poem about her. Oh. And that poem was the basis of Baron and Lucian. You see, Baron was a stout man who was wandering after years of war and wandered upon the fairest elf ever to live, named Lucian, who was dancing alone in a hemlock grove. Huh. Um, he was immediately smitten, As you followed do. her home, and <laughs> through the course of things, ended up asking her father, Thingol, for her hand in marriage. Thingol laughed because it was unheard of for a man to marry an elf. And he was also having his daughter be the, the, the most beautiful being ever on Middle-earth. He <laughs> wasn't really super keen on marrying her off, especially to a man. So he gave Baron the impossible task of bringing one Silmaril, in exchange. Do I need to get into what a Silmarill is, Corey? We, um, maybe
1: uh, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe this should be a, a different, I don't know. Okay. You...
0: <laughs> 10 words or less. The okay. Silmarillions or the Silmarills, were the greatest of all gems, which were taken from the elves and held by Morgoth, the greatest evil in the world. OK, I
1: think you got closer to 20, but that is perfect. <laughs>
0: so he gave him an impossible task and <laughs> yes. baron was so smitten that he said sure i'll do it <laughs> no problem bro he went off adventuring and <laughs> a little ways behind him although he promised he made her promise not to go Lucian was following so she was there Bar- with this match yeah she was into it okay. just her dad said no okay It's important. She she brought home a bad boy, Corey, and her dad was not happy. (laughs) Uh, Wait, did Tolkien write himself as the bad boy of Middle-earth? Is that what's going on here? Yes, Mike. (laughs) So, um, Baron is eventually kidnapped, but he makes an elf friend on the way. And he, sorry, he and this group of elves he meets on the way are kidnapped by Sauron. And they're held in these pits where they are eaten one by one by werewolves. <laughs> As a werewolf is about to eat, I don't remember his name. I'm I feel terrible for it. <laughs> As a werewolf is about to eat Baron's elf friend, Luthien, Haon, or Hion, the greatest of of greatest wolfhound of Middle Earth. Oh yeah, and
1: Oh, I'm remembering this from the Silmarillion, yeah. Now, yeah.
0: And seligorm the Elven companion of Houn, Houn, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> they come in and and save the day. Then Houn <laughs> he suggests that to sneak into Angband and get the the Angband is the terrible fortress in which Morgoth lives with his jewels. Um, <laughs> the Hound suggests that to break into the fortress, they disguise themselves. Um, and he happens to have two of the skins of the werewolves, or sorry, he has a skin of one of the werewolves he kills, and the skin of a vampire. And he has Baron and Lucian wear those.
1: So it's like Halloween.
0: It's like Halloween. Yeah, well, How semantic of us <laughs> this is a bit of a halloween episode yeah, yeah kind of there are ghosts <laughs> <laughs> so oh boy i have to pronounce a really difficult name here <laughs> so as as they approach ang bond they are Ew. what's it intercepted i guess by the second greatest of all werewolves, who kind of sniffs through their disguises. As he's about to alert everybody, Luthien sings a most beautiful song and puts all of Angwand to sleep. (laughs) She she wakes up Beren. They sneak in, and he pries a Silmaril from the crown of Morgoth. He then gets greedy, as men are, (laughs) and tries to pry another Silmaril. His knife slips, and he cuts Morgoth on the face, waking him up. (laughs) They run away, and just as they're exiting, the second greatest of all werewolves intercepts them, and Beren sticks out his hand, holding the Silmaril, and the werewolf bites it off. Being a jewel of pure light, it burns terribly, (laughs) and the werewolf runs off in a mad fit. <laughs> this
1: is quite complicated. Yeah. I, I, this, I see now.
0: This, is, this is a simple version. <laughs> <laughs> Baron and Lucian return to Stingle empty-handed, quite literally. <laughs> um, and he says, Oh, too bad, so sad. However, and I believe his name is Oh, let me, let me look it up. I, this werewolf's name is important.
1: Is this the one that you're, you're having trouble. Yes. Yeah,
0: struggling with his name. A struggle. Karkaroth. Karkaroth. I think that's his name. Karkaroth. Karkaroth. Man. Like Karkaroth. Okay. Karkaroth.
1: Yeah. Sorry. There, there's a lot. Um. There's a lot of Harry Potter that is like really directly taken from. Lord of the
0: Rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Karkaroth is going crazy around, across the countryside at this point, driven mad by the Silmaril in his belly. you say he was tripping mad? Dri- driven mad. Oh, he driven be, mad! He could be tripping mad. <laughs> he was just tripping balls. <laughs> oh, sorry. So um, there's still a chance that Baron can retrieve that Silmaril and get the lovely hand of Lucian. So he sets off to catch him. And Houn- can you make another hand joke? <laughs> i guess i did just like haun <laughs> um, goes with him because he hates werewolves <laughs> <laughs> nice um, they catch him and haun goes to battle and haun the greatest wolfhound of all and Kakaroth K- kill each other ah. baron is also mortally wounded in the fight but he grabs the silmorel luthien is so distraught that she kills herself. Uh, oh. Now, <laughs> um, I should mention at this point, there are at least three versions of this story. So there are variations. Really? Yeah, which, well, which made, I'm gonna pay you back with this next, the next uh, <laughs> Okay,
1: uh, when, when you're done, I'm gonna give a, a short explanation as to why I didn't think this would be so bad. <laughs>
0: Because it's like a a little poem in the story.
1: Uh, yes, that's exactly why.
0: <laughs> We're getting to the end though. So, so they go to the afterlife, and Lucian begs the Mandos, the Lord of whatever <laughs> afterlife. <laughs> um, she sang a song of their fate, and he restored them both to life. Shit. Luthien married Baron and forsook her immortality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because of the wondrous feats that they wrought, (laughs) (laughs) um, they were given, all of their children were given the chance to choose between being an elf or a man. Oh. hence the name half elven that is given to elrond who is one of their descendants
1: ah interesting
0: their oh, other cool. descendants are the Numenorians, who are men but have long life are smarter stronger faster <laughs> better than anyone else
1: uh yes everything in the story hinges on these two
0: <laughs> yeah um so uh, <laughs> A certain someone who we may or may not have met yet. And another someone who we haven't met are both descendants of these two. They are also elf and man. (laughs) They're also uh, in love. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. And they also have a choice to make, but more on that in a few different seasons. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I think that's it. I think that's, it's a a terrible synopsis. (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh well i mean maybe compared to the scale of the actual story but i think you did a great job shortening it
0: <laughs> i think i got it all straight it's pretty complicated and different sources have a pull from different versions of the story so it's difficult
1: okay let me ask you a question um so the different versions of the story are a the silmarillion yeah b i assume the book baron yeah. and luthien which was yeah. a christopher tolkien piecing together of notes yes
0: yeah and then i think excuse me there's also the poem in lord of the rings and w- whatever is explained in the appendices ah. and then i think tolkien rewrote the story a bunch because it was about him and his wife oh and also on oh yeah did you know that on their tombstones it says baron and luthien
1: oh you know what i think i have i, I yeah i think at some point i saw that yeah i wouldn't say i know it but i <laughs> read it at some point <laughs> Uh, kind of cute, kind of nice. Kinda Can lovely. you
0: imagine how into it you have to be to be to be Edith Tolkien? Because if you or I were to mm-hmm. to write a poem on which our entire fantasy mythology hinged for a woman, I don't think it would go over very well.
1: You don't think it would make it to their gravestone, Mike? <laughs> I
0: think <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's probably fairly safe to say.
0: You know how they say, like, if you're very handsome, you can get away with saying certain things. (laughs) Otherwise, it comes off as creepy.
1: (laughs) Well, at least we're in committed relationships rather than, like, first date with someone. I just started seeing this girl. She really didn't like my poem. (laughs) but baby my entire mythology is based on this but i'm baron you're (laughs) luthien i don't Um, think she understands edith tolkien was a very good sport i think is what we're getting at.
0: (laughs) i think she was pretty smitten by everything tolkien
1: Uh, i mean that's fair most people are we are we're recording a podcast about it Um. Cool. Cool. Very cool. Well, you know, it, it uh, Tolkien is. Um, as we delve deeper into this, uh, it's becoming more and more apparent to me how sort of notorious he is for rewriting his own stuff. Um, which is fine, but like, like obviously, nothing wrong with that. It's his art. Um, but yeah, it's interesting with each sort of subsequent thing, like from the Hobbit, the ideas that he had, Lord of the Rings, the ideas that he had, and then the Silmarillion, the ideas that he had, as he's sort of slowly changing them, like. there's
0: yeah there would be differences
1: in how are you saying
0: are you saying he's worse than george lucas
1: (laughs) we may didn't we make that oh no we were talking about the hobbit movies uh the movies specifically um i think we made that reference
0: (laughs) about how they were
1: uh retroactively ruining the lord of the rings movies oh
0: Um, well in hindsight how dare us (laughs) <laughs> a, mike how dare us most of the things we say
1: <laughs> um no i'm not saying he's worse than george lucas um he uh tolkien didn't introduce a, a, a bacteria that was actually the silmarils inside of everyone
0: <laughs> is bill fernie jar jar binks
1: <laughs> you mean the ultimate sith lord I yeah mean, morgoth um yeah I'm still convinced that Bilbo is the ultimate evil. Well. Mike, do you think that Tom Bombadil selling the ponies back to Butterbur was just all part of his plan? His evil plan to come to power in the Fourth Age?
0: Somehow. (laughs) Good
1: answer. (laughs) Somehow. (laughs) Somehow it's all linked. Mike, that was an excellent madam. Thank you for summing up uh, that song that Aragorn had the audacity to sing in the wild to a bunch of
0: hobbits. (laughs) A bunch of half witted hobbits. (laughs) Barely lettered hobbits. That that would be an excellent segue into Sightseeing with Sam. There's an eye-opener and no mistake.
1: Then here we are, Sightseeing with Sam. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, The segment where we discuss Samwise our favorite character and his uh introduction to the world at large Mike (laughs) what do you got
0: okay Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sam saw a lot this episode didn't he he did (laughs) um but early early in the chapter Sam saw true servitude and I don't think he liked it he saw the way Hob and Bob had to scamper at, at Butterbur's feet following his every call.
1: <laughs> do you uh, think?
0: Well, later it, it wasn't directly shown, but he was rubbing elbows with Hob and Nob. Remember that pocket full of apples he got? Uh, I do. I think we're not going to see sam calling frodo master much more
1: <laughs> uh yeah i think that's totally fair it's like oh this makes sense this is yeah, yeah. i don't i don't really
0: like this
1: <laughs> minimum wage in brie is shockingly low
0: <laughs> <laughs> like sleeping at a speed is one thing but <laughs> that's a pretty good one um
1: it is also actually very connected to my site that sam saw um which isn't really a site per se um but i wanted to point out that uh that knob and bob gave sam and only sam apples and a pipe which is yeah proof that he's the coolest among them
0: i think it's like um they immediately accepted him as part of the help
1: it was, like a, it was a lot like the Brotherhood of uh, Shipping and Receiving. They saw a fellow yes. servant.
0: I was trying to think of an analogy for... Um, oh, shit. What's that book called? Well, I just read it. One of your favorites.
1: Oh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Noro?
0: Jonathan Strange and Mr. Noro.
1: A brother magician? Yeah. <laughs> but a... Uh, um, oh, what was it? There was Practical Magicians and there was... Um, Shit! What was the the shitty kind that didn't do anything? Oh yeah. Or the, theoretical musician magicians? Is that what it was? Theor- called? Theoretical
0: <laughs> magicians. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, great references all around.
0: <laughs> Poor Sam. We could have picked so many great things for him to have seen the Midge Marshes, <laughs> the Nickerbreakers. <laughs> Nickerbreakers. He he had some some good
1: uh good lines in this episode. Yeah, he
0: um he he saw Bilbo for the fraud he is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Wonder if he questioned his uh how he reads. Like did, did I even really learn how to read?
0: <laughs> no, not our poor Sam. <laughs>
1: Uh, He's great. He's growing, Um, and he did, uh, once again, show uh, more than his share of bravery when those riders showed up.
0: Yeah. He He was right there there with Frodo until the last moment.
1: Yep, until Frodo up and disappeared into the Wraith world. (laughs) Um, Great sights. Excellent.
0: Wonderful sights.
1: Cast into the
0: fire! Welcome to Fan Casted Into the Fire, where we cast a character who was introduced this chapter. Or one we've skipped in the past
1: <laughs> we do have some catching up to do
0: yeah so Corey, you said to catch up we should both cast somebody and i suggested you cast Bill fernie yes
1: i i initially grumbled a little about it because <laughs> it wasn't an easy cast uh it also wasn't easy for a soldier to cast the ring into the fire and as we know he fucking didn't um this, this beer is like syrup. Um, but I'm not necessarily complaining.
0: Anyhow, you should, be, you should be drinking it through a straw. Oh, la- milkshake.
1: oh yeah. You know, I've stayed away from, um, the whole idea of like milkshake stouts because they all specifically say that they have lactose sugar. Oh boy. Yeah. And that makes me think it'll disagree with me. Anyway, I might. there's only that. one way to find out. actually left field my favorite brewery has quite a good selection right now and one of them is this mocha marshmallow stout oh my gosh which definitely has lactose sugar in it but sounds like i should try it (laughs) um
0: just try it before a day you really want off work and then you you have the freedom to call in sick
1: uh hey just leaving a message uh just want you guys to hear me barfing um so Back to Bill Fernie. <laughs> uh, so uh, when I was casting this into the fire, I was trying to imagine the exchange of Fernie by the roadside with Adam Driver as Aragorn when they were leaving Brie. So like the two of them on screen together as he sneers long shanks. That's what I was like trying to put together in my mind, Mike. <laughs> um, so I plumbed the depths of several TV series that I like and I came up with this. Um, and I urge you to Google it because I don't know if you know this guy's name right away. So I've cast Julian Richings as Bill Fernie. And if you want to look that up, Mike, go ahead. Uh, And I will quickly go through what I think are the finer points on his IMDb page.
0: Oh, he looks so familiar.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he was in American Gods. Uh, Doom Patrol, he was in Frontier with your boy, Jason Momoa. Uh, He was also in Polar with my boy, Mads Mikkelsen. Um, He was in Hannibal, Supernatural, briefly in The Witch, by the way, um, which would have been at the very beginning because there's like four actors in The Witch. (laughs) Uh, He was in X-Men, The Last Stand. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure he was in Murdoch Mysteries, too, which I didn't write down here. But um. Julian Richens, what do you think, Mike? I think
0: great choice. He looks perfect. (laughs) how about yes. that thank you i, um, I appreciate that <laughs> i haven't seen any of the movies or shows this guy is in except for x-men the last stand and that was forever ago
1: and it was also kind of awful but that is not julian Richings' fault
0: <laughs> yeah I, I haven't seen any of these things
1: um yeah i was uh uh I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure um i was going through the cast of uh, murdoch mysteries because because i was like what if i could cast someone canadian <laughs> and also there's just, just like you know there's a murderer of the week kind of thing um and then it, it sort of crossed over with uh with hannibal um which was filmed in toronto so there's a connection there anyway um yeah and i, and I found this guy this great great guy
0: well he's, he certainly has the look
1: yes uh <laughs> so so mike who did you cast into the fire Well, this one
0: is a lot more straightforward than yours, Corey. I have casted (laughs) (laughs) Harleyman Butterbur. Oh, nice. And he will be played by John Goodman. (laughs) Oh, my
1: God. That is a a fucking fantastic choice.
0: Thank you. Um, (laughs) I think John Goodman is one of the few actors that can get away with playing such a horrible role. Yes that's true he, he also is large in stature even though he has lost a lot of weight recently he still is commanding you know what i mean
1: oh certainly yeah absolutely
0: and i think that's an important point for barleyman because he towers over these hobbits and he lords over hob and Nob.
1: my god just just <laughs> just imagining him like being friendly to the main characters and then just suddenly switching and screaming at, the, at his two servants
0: Nob, you're out of your element Bob, shut the fuck
1: up. (laughs) Wow, I'm I'm pumped about that cast. Uh and what like uh what a fun little nod Easter egg for our um for the fact that Butterbur knows um Bombadil. Bombadil, of course, being played by Jeff Bridges. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which hasn't been decided yet. We don't know, we don't know for sure. There are a lot of options for Bombadil, but
0: Oh, do we not decide? You just suggested.
1: Yeah, we we hadn't yet made this uh this segment. So I don't know how official that was.
0: Okay, the unofficial Bombardier. <laughs> I, like I want to see kind of I want to see a clip of Jeff Bridges singing. Oh yeah, okay. That's all I need. For I'm sure, sure it's out
1: there.
0: Great. Yeah, uh, great casting choices all around. <laughs> this has legs. <laughs> it does.
1: Yes. Uh it, it's it's shanking along. Uh we got yeah, we got three characters. This is we've nearly got a movie. <laughs> And remember, if you would like to produce uh, <laughs> this latest edition of The Lord of the Rings, uh, hit us up, office at gmail.com.
0: <laughs> if you have a suggested cast casting for one of the characters we've missed so far, you could email us.
1: Yeah, also hit us up on, uh, on our Instagram uh, or perhaps by Twitter, where we'll be uh, fan casting into the fire. Um, Mike, have you given any thought to how difficult it will be to cast the
0: four hobbits? Yeah, we'll get to them eventually, but I don't know. Okay. Maybe next chapter we might be able to get one of them down or maybe two.
1: Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, like, the, the, the version of Lord of the Rings that we're envisioning has nothing, not a single thing cut out. <laughs> so we have to pick an actor that we're okay with looking at for, like, upwards of 12 hours. <laughs>
0: And they have to be fairly short. or I guess (laughs) believable is short too. It's going to be tricky. One of the pluses with uh, Adam
1: Driver as Aragorn is there's very little trickery that needs
0: to happen. Oh, I've got my Sam actually. Uh, Really? Yeah, I just thought of it. I've got my Sam. Perfect. Save
1: it. Uh, Don't tell me yet. I'm very excited.
0: Okay. Maybe next chapter we'll cast Sam and Frodo.
1: Oh shit! Does that mean I have to cast?
0: <laughs> yeah, you have to cast, Brody. and it can't be that dude from the Russian Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, out of
1: seven billion people in the world, he would be the one person that I've like already blackballed in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll have a red mullet. Twelve hours of that. <laughs> okay, great segment, Mike. <laughs>
0: i'm just looking at a picture of my sam and i'm dying (laughs) oh i can't wait i cannot wait (gasps) oh my god (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i shall draw you saruman the segment where we illustrate this chapter's chapter as a title page. <laughs> I just rambled it. Let me start over. Oh,
1: no, I thought it was great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I shall draw you Saruman. Uh Corey, I just got your text message and I got a little glimpse, but I didn't didn't soak it in. Let me see here. Okay, I'm
1: gonna send you a second image because there is actually a second oh. color.
0: So I did a lino print for this, bro. I can see that. Okay, 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 okay
1: hopefully you're getting the second image now i
0: oh. <laughs> oh man so is that two different prints or is that the same print with a glow-in-the-dark ink
1: uh same print with the glow-in-the-dark ink over top um, that's cool i i ran into some some very interesting technical difficulties when i was attempting this glowing layer um i could see that <laughs> yeah it was a, it was a bit of a process that i had to uh had to go through. Like the to get a really good glow from this stuff you apparently need quite a bit of it and it does not work very well if it's hmm, excuse me if it's over top of black yeah Um, and I kind of wanted it to be generally speaking invisible in the day um, and then like like not really cover the black at all Um, but it does show a little bit opaque over top Um, anyway I I think like essentially it was an experiment um, and I think it ended up working in the end I sort of did I, d- I tried to do like two proper print runs, if you will, of this linoblock. Um And I did sort of six of each, six of just the black and six with three layers of this glow ink.
0: I think it looks sweet. Um, Thanks. Yeah, for for those of you who don't know, and most of you don't, Corey and I are kind of sluts for linoprint. Wait, <laughs> would, you say, would you say that's fair? I'd say yeah, no argument. Uh, this reminds me of the Dracula covers you did a while ago.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. This wasn't really um, uh, necessarily like based on anything other than, um, yeah, I was into doing book covers like uh, many, many years ago. Um, And yeah, I just wanted to do a print, And I had this chapter in mind for like the one I wanted to do a print for pretty much right from the get-go. And I I more or less pictured this and I just sort of had to like fit it together uh, design-wise in my mind um, when the time came.
0: That's very cool. Man, these are also awesome. If I if I can say that,
1: <laughs> uh, I thought it was really cool because um, you were talking last chapter about like how uh, both of us are sort of entering this this time around. We're sort of like re-entering a territory that like we know fairly well, yeah. um, uh, which is kind of cool. It's also cool that it took us both like approximately five covers before we were like, okay, now <laughs> maybe I'll go back into something I know.
0: Yeah, I yeah, it's kind of fun. Forcing yourself out of your comfort zone, but then coming back a little I bring it yeah. back.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had I had had some fun with this one. I I was quite shocked actually the first time I printed it. I did like a proof of the black, and I was like, I, I was a little bewildered. I was like, Wow, this is like turned out better than I thought. <laughs> uh, I was pretty pumped about it. I was really excited, and I was like, This is again one of those points where uh, I was so tempted to be like Mike check out this fucking print
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah when I was doing my last cover I had that same thought it's
1: a it, it's an unofficial like it's it's not really like we ever said anywhere that we can't show each other but we just sort of kind of decided that
0: <laughs> yeah now we're so stubborn about it that it's not gonna happen <laughs> oh boy I <sighs> still have Sam's stupid face on my computer screen <laughs>
1: I'm very excited to see Sam. Uh, Uh,
0: Are we good? Is this it? I
1: I think, uh, yeah, I think we might've done it, bro. All right. Well, that's it for episode 11. Thank you for listening as always. Thank you to our supporters on Patreon, uh, Nicole, David, Jeremy, and Judy. Uh, That is that Hobbit shit, or sorry, (laughs) Patreon.com slash that Hobbit shit. uh, If you'd like to support the show and also remember that if you are at a $10 or higher level for, three months you will get a t-shirt which is pretty sweet um there's our instagram which is at that hobbit shit uh there is our twitter at hobbit shit um fan casted into the fire will end up on there if you want to weigh in on those um and that just leaves that hobbit shit at gmail.com uh if you're a big time movie producer and you're looking to do a brand new version of lord of the rings for 2025 um <laughs> hit us up Mike, do I miss anything?
0: Oh boy! Uh, no, no, no. I think we're good. Uh, okay. Do You have any casting suggestions?
1: Yeah, yeah. Feel free to let us know. Uh, we will either love them or hate them, and
0: yeah. either way, we'll probably use them.
1: <laughs> this might be an odd balance of joke castings and serious castings.
0: I think we'll hit the nail on the head a couple times.
1: <laughs> I think we have so far. Um but okay cool. Yeah uh I guess that's it. I'm Corey.
0: I'm Mike. And you made a hair the on your toes, toes never never fall
1: out. Fall
0: out. Damn I it that was the worst one yet.
1: <laughs> Liar
0: <laughs> oh okay never mind. <laughs>